Okay, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> we did. We had a printer issue, and as we began to pray as leaders, it, it print started printing this morning. So, um, like Ashley said, it would declare those things as not as though they were. Thank you, Lord. So, well, that was a pretty good uh, intro for where we're going to be today in the Book of Exodus. Um, so if you have your Bible, we're in Exodus 34. Um, if you were here last week, I, I know my wife gave an awesome word uh, just about being free from the victim mindset, the slave mindset, to walk in the, uh, kind of like Moses did, and the walk in the freedom that Moses had to meet face to face with God and to seek after him with all of his heart. That's a very simple and quick summary, but... Uh, uh, such a powerful thing. But we've been going through Exodus, um, and we are now in Exodus 34 and verse 29. And so I want us to read, go ahead and just jump right in here, and you're going to see how that ties in with what uh, has already been spoken over us this morning. Holy Spirit, we invite you to open the Word of God to us right now. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the truth that is in your Word, and we open ourselves up to whatever you would speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. So remember, Moses is on the mountain. It says, When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. And when Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and shining, and they were afraid to come near him. Rightfully so. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him, and he, and he gave them the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he'd been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant or shining. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. And so, man, this is just a fascinating encounter here. Moses goes up on the mountain and he is physically changed by God. He is physically uh, impacted by his time with the Lord. And, you know, all the people, isn't it fascinating? It says, you know, of course, I don't know if Aaron's kind of having flashbacks, you know. Like the first time Moses came down the mountain, Aaron had built a golden calf. You know, and then the second time he comes down the mountain, his face is shining. I mean, Aaron's got to be thinking like, uh, I'm in trouble, man. <laughs> I just, I just can't win anyway. And so Moses, you know, they all like, they see Moses and they, it says they leave. They're like, we're out. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done here. The guy goes up on the mountain. There's the earthquakes and the fire. And then his face is like glowing. And I, I'm not going to deal with that anymore. I'm not going to go there. And, but then Moses says, no, 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 no. Come on back. It's still, it's me. Look, I'm all good. You're, you're not going to, you're not going to get killed. You're not going to die. God's not going to kill you right now. Um, and so he would, you know, then he would cover his face so that they could hear him speak. Uh, but then it says something interesting that Moses, whenever he went in to be with the Lord, that he would take the veil off. 
that he would remove the veil when he would be in the Lord's presence. And so the interesting thing is this, as I was saying, it's always great to look to the Old Testament through the lens or through the picture of the New Testament. Because, you know, if you look at the Old Testament without the New Testament, you're going to miss the point. Because the point in the whole Bible is Jesus. <laughs> the point in the whole scripture is to get to Jesus and what he does. And so let's turn. I want you to turn to the, to the book in the New Testament that talks about this. Anybody know what book that is? Close. It's 2 Corinthians. It is in the book of Corinthians, but it's 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And so Paul actually directly references this account. So there's no reason not for us not to go to the New Testament and kind of get a little more information here uh, from what was going on. So 2 Corinthians 3, and this has been, he's been talking about the new covenant. What was Moses getting on the mountain? The old one, the, the, old, the law. And so we know that the law was not sufficient to bring salvation. It, it didn't help people get free. It just showed them that they were bound. It says that in the New Testament. It says the law was given so we know you need help. You need a savior. You need someone. You know, you're not going to make it on your own. You can't get to heaven doing good things. And so Paul is talking about this. And so he says in 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 7, it says, Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone. So we know what he's talking about, right? What is he talking about? He's talking about the, the law of God that was given to Moses on the mountain. So if that came with glory, Moses again asked to see God's glory and he got to see his back. And then his face shined so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory. Transitory or fading though it was. Will not the ministry of the spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, what did the law bring? The fact that we were all condemned before God. In other words, there's no one who does good, not even one. We need a Savior. Everybody's sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory. How much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? What did, the, what did Jesus bring? He said, boom, I paid for you, so now you get the righteousness of God. It's a good deal. Make the trade. My sin for your righteousness. For what was glorious, verse 10, has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory or fading came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Verse 12, therefore, okay, did anybody ever hear, you got to see what, what the therefore is there for? Some of you, I told you for the first time, I didn't make that up. I stole that from growing up in church. Um, why is the therefore, therefore? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We're not like Moses, as cool as he was. We're not like Moses who would put a veil over his face, look, 
to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end that was passing away. So in other words, why was Moses putting the veil on his face? He had to block the shining, but it also would fade away. So he didn't want people to recognize that it didn't last. So verse 13 again, we're not like Moses who put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because what? Only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, what are they talking about? What is Moses? Anybody know? He's like, are we reading a person here? No, we're talking about the, the old covenant law, okay? The law that became to be represented by Moses, okay? Uh, the law of Moses is what they called it in their, in their culture. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord... The veil is taken away. That's good news right there. The barrier that I have between me and God, the hindrance that I have, the confusion that I have, whatever that is, that, it says, I turn to the Lord, that is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate or gaze at the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory or from glory to glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So there's some powerful stuff going on here. Number one is this. We have to understand that as amazing as the encounters that Moses had in the Old Testament, they did not last. Even though Moses spoke face to face with God and his face literally shone from being with God, it faded away because the point was not to have a physical manifestation on his life. It was to have a spiritual transformation in his heart. And that could only come ultimately when Jesus came and said, I'm going to take away the veil in your life. I'm going to take away the barrier that makes you not be able to see who God is, that makes you not be able to enter in fully into the presence of God, that hinders you from knowing God in fullness. In Jesus, that veil is taken away. But there is one thing we can get from Moses, and I believe this is a powerful point that also 2 Corinthians gets, and it's this. Whatever you gaze at, you'll begin to look like. Whatever you set your attention on is what you're going to end up looking like. Because when Moses was with the Lord, guess what? He began to look a little bit, he, he got a little bit of the afterglow of, of being with God. And what does it say in this scripture here in 2 Corinthians? Now, we look at Jesus. We're, we're fixing our eyes upon him. Our life is focused upon him. And then it says that we're being transformed into what? His image. We begin to look like him. So whatever you set your attention on is what you're going to begin to look like. Now, 
If you set your attention upon all the arguing and disunity and hatred in our world, guess what? You're going to look like that. We got a whole group of Christians in our nation now who are angry and hateful and divisive because that's what they're looking at all the time. That's what their focus is. Doesn't mean we can't stand for righteousness. Doesn't mean we can't stand up for what we believe. I'm not talking about any of those things. I'm talking about compromising the word of God. I'm not talking about saying all these things that are not good or okay. But I want to do it with the heart and the image of Jesus reflected in my life. Because if someone, if all someone sees is a Jesus that's angry all the time, that's not the Jesus I serve. Does he get angry? Yes, but it's not all the time. (laughs) With some Christians, you'll think, man, God is really in a bad mood. He's just always upset about something. (laughs) Right? I mean, that's that's what I think sometimes when I see some people's social media feed. It's like, whatever I'm upset about, I'm going to post for everybody to know. Uh, hopefully I'm not meddling too much with you. So, But Moses was looking at the Lord's presence. And it says here in the second Corinthians, what it says, it says now that we with unveiled faces, it's making that reference. In other words, this, this is the good news. It says now we all right here. Did you notice that in the scripture here? Where is that at? I can't even hardly read the Bible anymore. Um, Getting bad. Now we all with unveiled faces are beholding or reflecting or contemplating the Lord. Here's the good news about also the new covenant. It's not just for one person. That's really good news. Because that means you can get close to Jesus. You can get close to God that you don't have to go through me. You don't have to go through someone who is in a spiritual position because I am not standing between you and God. Jesus is. Jesus is our high priest. Thank you, Lord, that you don't have to come confess to Pastor John. Boy, that would be depressing. I'm sorry, no offense. (laughs) I believe there's true followers of Jesus in our Catholic brothers and sisters. I'm not, that is, I'm not saying they're, they're heretics, but I'm like, I'm thinking, man, we got off track here a little bit when we said that one, one man or one person needs to sit here and listen to all the sins and then I'm going to take care of it. No, it's Jesus' job. Only Jesus can handle that. That's a weight that we were not meant to carry, but it says Jesus carried the burden. But that's the good news that we're all in. It's not just for Moses. Not just for Ronnie Mabin. (laughs) Right? It's not just for whoever you look up to in your life. It's not just for them. No, this is for you. We all get to enter in and know the Lord. We can get close to Him. See how this is tying in about what we're focusing on? That if Jesus is the same yesterday, today... And forever, 
then I can get to know the same Jesus that they were getting to know in the book of Acts. And it says, therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. In other words, you got, you got to, you got to get a hold of this. Sometimes you got to just tell your flesh, I'm getting with Jesus. I'm going to pray. I'm going to, I'm going to worship. We, we, you got to be bold. What does it mean to be bold? It means to, to step out and do something that, that's going to be taken notice of. I'm going to be bold in going after the Lord. I'm going to be bold in prayer. I'm going to be bold in seeking Him, whatever that looks like for you. It doesn't have to be expressive on the outside. Sometimes people are expressive on the outside, but they're scared on the inside, right? It's just a big cover, kind of like a, like a bully or something. Usually they're just, they're, they're just covering up their fear by trying to intimidate someone else, right? Satan's the spiritual bully. That's all he is. It's all talk. It's very interesting talk. It can be very alluring. But it's all just talk. It's all lies. What does it say? The, the devil, when he sp- speaks lies, he's speaking his native language. He's all talk. So if I'm going to listen to him, I'm going to let a spiritual bully determine the state of my mind, the state of my heart, the state of my life, and I'm believing a lie. And we have to get to the point where our focus is like, no, I'm, I'm bold. I'm getting with the Lord. I am getting with Jesus. I am getting in the word of God. I'm going to discipline myself to do this. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to set aside time. I'm going to turn the whatever I need to turn off. I'm going to turn off the notifications. I'm going to close out the whatever takes my time. And isn't it interesting now that uh, in our society that like, like we, we, this is our gaze sometimes. And I'm not talking about just young people. Like people are, oh, he's talking about the teenagers. I just snapped 37 people and I don't even know how to do it. Okay. Um, don't leave me on red, right? Whatever. <laughs> you can tell you're old when you're throwing out phrases and you don't know how to put them together, right? <laughs> Say amen, Jerry. All right. So... Uh, I'm not talking about just the younger generation. I'm talking about us, whatever we're distracted by. It's like sometimes it's our physical gaze, but sometimes it's just the gaze of our heart. What am I, what am I focused on? What, what is my attention being drawn to? Is, is it gonna, I'm going to start looking like that. I'm going to start reflecting what the gaze of my heart is focused upon. And the good news is this. That the good news is that you can be transformed. It says right here, it says, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And we all, there it is, verse 18, with unveiled faces are reflecting the Lord's glory, are being what? We're being transformed into his image 
with ever-increasing glory. You know, the goal of the Christian life is not to get to heaven. I've said it a hundred times, at least. Right? The goal, God's goal for your life is not to get you to heaven. The goal in in your life that, that the Lord is working is for you to look like Jesus. It's for you to love like Jesus. It's for you to think like Jesus. It's for you to be kind like Jesus. It's for you to be pure like Jesus. It's for you to be strong like Jesus. It's for you to be a great listener like Jesus. It's for you to be have the power of Jesus in your life. It's for you to reflect the image of Jesus so that when somebody looks at you, they say, what happened to you, Gary? Because something happened because now you're a different man. Because now you've been changed, you've been transformed, and you're looking more like Jesus. But what happens, how is it that some people stay in church for years and they're exactly the same? Because they haven't been in the presence of God. They've maybe only gone to church. They've gone to to meetings where God's presence is, but they've not personally gotten to know the Lord. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus where he talks to you, you talk to him, you spend time with him. I know this is simple, but guess what? It works. I am a much worse husband When I spend less time with Jesus. It's just a fact. Doesn't matter how much I try. If I spend time with the Lord, I'm more patient. Because what? How patient is God? Well, we're not all dead. (laughs) Last night we're hanging out at a birthday party. And, you know, parents gathered together. There's quite a few. Um, we'll just say there's quite a few boys at this birthday party. Like, well, it seemed like about 1,000 um, 10-year-olds or 11-year-olds. But uh, I think it was only like 14. But uh, and so parents were talking, and uh, none of them are here today, so uh, <laughs> I can talk about them. About, man, can you believe this kid did this when he was over at my house? I'm about, about to kill him. And I'm thinking, yeah, 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 yeah. We feel that way too sometimes, right? Uh, aren't you glad that Jesus isn't like that? How many of you at one point should have been just, well, let's just get rid of that one. <laughs> there, There is no hope for this one. We're, we've tried. We've tried everything. I've searched the internet. I've watched the YouTube videos. Uh, I mean, I downloaded TikTok for some reason. Said maybe it's on TikTok. You know, I don't know. Please help me figure out how to help this other person, whether it's my own child or somebody else that I love or care for. You know, we've tried all the things, and but Jesus never gives up on me. He doesn't give up on us. He doesn't get rid of us. He doesn't say, you know what, that's it. You've gone too far. I'm done. He doesn't write you out of the will. He doesn't get ticked off and say, you know what, so much for your inheritance. I'm going to let you in heaven, but it's still going to stink for you. 
<laughs> he's good. He's good and he's love. He doesn't compromise, though. When the woman's caught in adultery, what? She, lo- she was, I want to be at the feet of Jesus. And he said, look, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. In other words, you don't, you don't have to be like that anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change you. If you meet me, you can change. If you get to know me, you will change. And what does it end with? It says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, there's liberty. And I got to be in the presence of God. I need a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You can't leave him out. Because freedom has worked in your life. How, does, how do you interact with God in your life? It says that when Jesus left, he says, I'm leaving so that I can send my spirit. That the spirit of God will come and dwell within you. And now you're going to interact. He's going to fill your heart with the love of God. He's going to convict you of sin. He's going he's to lead you into all truth. He's going to reveal things that you didn't know. But he's the one that you need to know. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Guess what? If you're a believer in Jesus, there's freedom inside of you. You have the ability to be free from anything that is holding you captive. We have to believe that it's not, well, I just have to live with this the rest of my life. That I've just, well, this is just the way I am. No, the Holy Spirit is in you. Then freedom is possible. All things are possible. You have to believe it. I was thinking about as we were singing that song, I Still Believe. Sometimes for some of us, I wonder if we just need to say, Lord, I I believe for the first time. I believe for the first time that my, the rage and anger in my life is not going to control my family. That I don't have to react like that anymore because I'm going to be transformed. I need to believe that the impurity that keeps sucking me in is not my future. That it doesn't have to have a hold on me. That there is freedom as I walk with the Holy Spirit. That He's going to bring freedom into my life. That the more I get to know Him, the freer I become. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And He's in you. And aren't you glad He doesn't leave when we sin? You Sometimes I think we've... I'm going to hear. Okay, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Sometimes we think we have this view, like this has been a religious phrase, and I think it's a little bit off, where we say God can't be around sin. Oh, God can't dwell with sin. No, he just doesn't want to. When Adam and Eve sinned, what did it say? That God went looking for them. If God couldn't be with sin, then he couldn't have showed up and said, I'm still here for you. We got to deal with the consequences. We got some stuff to take care of here. And I've got a plan to send Jesus, which he said in Genesis, right when the first sin happened, I'm sending Jesus, but he is not scared of sin. He just refuses to let it stay in my life. He just refuses to let it have control. He says, I'm going to take care of this. And Jesus took care of the sin issue. None of this silly religious thing that, that, you know, 
if you have sin in your life when you die, that somehow you're not gonna you're not gonna be in the presence of the Lord. No, no. What Jesus did is enough, and He invites you into a relationship of freedom. Some people only take the first step. They say, "Oh Jesus, I believe you. Forgive me. Hallelujah." And then they live the rest of their life not getting to know the one who gave them the first step of freedom. The more you get to know him, the freer you can become. Have you ever met somebody who's just like walk with God their whole life? And you just almost, you're like, whoa. I want to be like that. It's just like they've got, they're just way more peaceful. They're just, they're way more patient. They just seem like super pure, you know. <laughs> You're like, I thought I was good until I stood next to you. And then I'm like, whoa. I thought I knew God until I stood next to you. Why is that? Because they've been transformed more into the image of Jesus. By being with Jesus. By setting their focus upon Jesus by putting the gaze of their heart upon Jesus. And look, there's nothing stopping his image from being imprinted on us because it says the veil has been taken away. It's been taken away, so now you have free access to the presence of God. Now, we're never going to be Jesus. We're not going to be God's. Whatever. If you've heard weird teaching like that, I'm sorry. There's people who just get weird. If I ever get weird, just slap me. <laughs> Make sure you're right, though. Um, <clears throat> I'll slap you back. Um, <laughs> I didn't say that last week in Lubbock. <laughs> But all, all, this, all these weird ideas that we get about God, sometimes we could just be like, if I'm just in the Word and I spend time in the presence of God, I'm going I'm I'm to be okay. And I've got people who love me and who are going to say, wait a second, what are you thinking? Because we need that. And then we'll begin to look more like Jesus. And all I know is in the Bible, everybody was drawn to Jesus. It doesn't matter if they were the worst sinner or the most religious person. They still couldn't not be with Jesus. Even the Pharisees, right? They wanted to get, they were mad at Jesus, but they still just couldn't stay away. And all those people you know that are super religious, that are caught up in something that's, you're like, that's a little bit off. It sounds right, but there's just something wrong with the heart of what's going on with that. Guess what? They still just want to be around Jesus. And maybe that's why they want to be around you. Because you've got his image in your life. So I encourage you, be transformed. Let your spouse look at you in a year and say, you're different. You've changed in a good way. <laughs> Not just you look older. 
because we all do. Every year it starts happening, right? Nothing we can change about that. But I can look more like Jesus with my mouth, with my thoughts, with the way I interact with people, with the way I listen, with the way I talk about other people. I want to reflect the heart of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Well, let's, let's stand and just, just close right now. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Father, I just pray for anybody who's felt excluded and left out. I pray right now in Jesus' name that that lie, that lie will die today. Jesus, thank you that you made the way so that we can be in the very presence of God. That your blood took care of my sin. That there is nothing standing between me and you. That I can enter into the presence of God because of the blood of Jesus. That as a child of God, I've been changed and I've been transformed. And Father, help us be transformed by being with you. For those of us who just said, I got too busy and I set the Lord on the side. Father, forgive us, but thank you, Lord, that you're, you're waiting with open arms. We don't have to pay penance. We don't have to walk through a bunch of religious hoops. We don't have to, you know, get ourselves all right. We just have to say, I'm coming back to you. And Father, those of us that have been walking with you, God, I just, I just pray that you would continue to wipe away anything in our minds that where we have confusion about who you are. That as we get to know you better, we're going to reflect who you are. Lord, And we, we know that's what our nation needs. That's what our world needs. They need people that reflect the image of Jesus Christ. They need people that look like Jesus, that we know people will be drawn to you. So, Father, we pray that our hearts would look more like you. Change me, O oh God. Continue to change me. Continue to transform me. Continue to make me new each and every day. Thank you, Lord, for thought patterns being changed. God, that, that thought habits will be changed in our lives. Where just by habit we think a certain way. Father, we just thank you as we're in, pre in your presence, God, as we're in the word of God. I just thank you that thought patterns and habits will be changed in minds that will begin to think differently. You said we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So thank you for making us think like Jesus. We want to think about you rightly and we want to think about us rightly. And we can only do that, Holy Spirit. For those of us that don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, we just invite you to open up our hearts, God, to know you more. Because where, where your spirit is, there is freedom. And I just pray for anyone who is, who is walking in, in bondage in any area, God, that they'll begin to, to build that relationship with you, God, and they'll experience the freedom of the Holy Spirit. The more we get to know you, Lord, the freer we become on the inside. We just honor you and bless you, God. We thank you.
We thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen. If you need prayer, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, uh, please come up and get prayer before you go. We'll have people up here that are ready to pray as long as we need to pray. So be blessed as you go. Be transformed.